0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of the Steelers Hangover. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and I am the podcast producer here at behindthesteelcurtain.com dot and I am so glad to be with you once again after a real game. Wow, we've been doing this Hangover a long, long time, Tony, haven't we? uh
1: going on now. Oh, this is year number six, right? Twenty seventeen was the first season.
0: Yeah. Wow. And I tell you what, so we've been hung over since then and we're feeling good about it, especially when the Steelers win their opening game against a rival, a team that's beat them three straight. And the circumstances on how they won have people a little bit antsy. And we're going to be talking all about that. Shannon White, how are you feeling on this victory Monday?
2: Well, not as happy as I normally would be. But we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. But I think I have the same reservations that Olive Store Nation has.
0: Well, I have reservations for the Olive Garden, so let's get this going. (laughs) I don't, but those are my only reservations. I, I think we'll talk you off the ledge if you are indeed on it. But first, let me tell you this. You need to be checking out BTSC, that's behind the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. And when I'm talking Pittsburgh Steeler needs, you need to know what's going on and know what's going on first, and you find it here. Not just your one-stop shop, your non-stop shop. And that non-stop shop continues. Last night, after the game, what happened? Well, there was a Steelers post-game show, as well as a post-game press conference recap from Mike Tomlin. And I had a chance to be on both of those shows. I was glad to be on there. And it's nice when it's a W. This morning, Jeff Hartman celebrated a victory Monday on our flagship morning show called Let's Ride. And he had the winners and losers from the Steelers win over the Cincinnati Bengals. So check that out. There's going to be some great shows later on. Check out tomorrow morning. The Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. Check out The Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar in the Scobro Show tomorrow night with Rich and Dave Schofield. There's so much going on. There's also going to be a Mike Tomlin press conference recap. His Tuesday show as he gets ready for the who the New England Patriots. So, so much going on. But let's get into the game. Here we go. The Steelers go into Paycor Stadium which I've got a problem with more than anybody should have a problem with the Accra sure guys, but I'm going to get to that in a second, but they go into Cincinnati and they take on the defending AFC champions and they beat them. There were a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball, the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, Joe Burrow had four interceptions and had a fumble that was recovered by the Steelers as well. Tony and Shannon, I'm going to ask you this first. I'll go to Tony. Did the Bengals stink? Did they lose that game, or did the Steelers find a way to win that game? I'm going to ask you both. Tonester,
1: uh, I think I think it was a little bit of both. I, I think the, the Steelers' de- defense was so dominant early on that they gave they gave the offense just an, so many opportunities to, to win that game handily, and it, they just the offense just wasn't capable of doing that. Uh, so so. I, I think the Steelers did did enough on defense to win, but the, but they they rightfully um, should have lost at the end because of of you know they just broke down they they ran out of gas. But 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 you know the, thanks to some special teams blunders by the Bengals, I think they helped they helped keep them in the game. And of course, ultimately they 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 played a hand in in the Steelers winning the game. What do you think, Shannon? Do you think the Steelers deserve credit for
0: the victory or they're just the recipients of a loss by
2: the other team? It's funny you said deserve because that is like the uh, beginning of my stock report article uh, for tomorrow. Uh, The Steelers deserve to win that game if for nothing less than the defense played their best complete and most dominating performance in quite a few years. The if you watch the across the NFL yesterday, there was a lot of uh, offensive sluggish sluggishness. Um, you know, they a lot of mistakes, pre-snap penalties, uh, because a lot of teams did not play their starters at all. And the Bengals didn't play their starters at all. So Burrow came in and, in the preseason. So Burrow came in yesterday and he was coming off the appendectomy surgery, plus, you know, the they hadn't worked together. So going up against a stout Steelers defense that has played together and, and performed together, uh, I thought the Steelers, you know, did what they were supposed to do. And if they are healthy, which we'll get into, they can be a dominant defense. But I, I thought they deserved to win. I think the offense uh, did not do their part. And that's why, you know, they almost lost. But the point is they won, and and it was a shock uh, to everyone. But because, you know, I wasn't taking into account how rusty the Bengals would be.
0: Well, I did not think that was going to be a problem whatsoever, but we found that out the last few years in Steeler Nation here with Ben Roethlisberger barely playing in the preseason, and we have seen a lot of seasons start out. We've seen a couple zero and threes over the last few years, a couple one and threes. We've we've seen a lot of non smooth sailing because teams aren't ready. I know you risk. Losing a starter, but you've got to start playing those guys because if you don't, they're rusty and you lose and you have to play catch up. Luckily for the Steelers, they don't have to play catch up, but they have to answer a lot of questions. And a lot of the questions are going to be surrounding around poor play on the offense, and they're going to be surrounding injuries as well. So now let's talk about the injuries first. Shannon, the report today was that TJ Watt showed up. He was bandaged, but he was walking around the Steeler locker room. There's a lot of thought that this might not be a season-ending injury. This could be a four to six
2: game injury. Do you will you take that? Oh, it would be a answer to prayer if he only misses four to six weeks. Because as we was talking before the show. He's indispensable. I mean, he's irreplaceable. Uh, and, you know, it would be like anybody's best player going down. You just can't prepare for that. And it will change the fortunes of the season if, if he misses the whole year. Um, and it, it's sad because he literally could have won at least one more defensive player of the year award, if not two. And he started out this year looking even better than he did last year. And then for that injury to happen, you know, he it kind of, it's funny, JJ, you know, was the most dominant even to play in football. Then he started suffering these type of injuries. And these are injuries you didn't see back in the day in the seventies guys, because guys wasn't ripped up like they are now. They didn't build their bodies. And I know they, they stretch and they use nutrition and chiropractors and everything, but they just didn't suffer these type of injuries, but now there's such a fine line, and these guys push their body to the limit to compete, and you see these kind of tears, and and can be season ending. And of course, stewards have already went through that with Hayward, and into it, uh, and hopefully, it's not a season ending.
0: Tony, let me ask you this about your frustration with everybody throwing in the terrible towel already because T.J. Watt might be gone for the season, whether he's gone for the season or not, does that really dismiss 52 other players in a coaching staff?
1: Well, I mean, I think it'd be naive to say to say that it, it, it's not going to impact them majorly. I mean, he is, like Shannon said, he's their best player. This is like uh, losing Ben Roethlisberger on offense. This would be like losing Troy Palomalo in his prime you know, he's that important to that defense. And, and uh, so I could see why people would be frustrated with that because we know going into this season, or we, we said going into the season that the defense had to carry the team uh, because the offense was just going to be so compromised as, it, as it's learning and, and growing. And yesterday we saw another example of that the offense looked a lot like it did last year, just with a more mobile quarterback. So, you know, I could see why people would say that. The only thing I will say about, about if, what were to be down for the year or any length of time is you know when, when Ryan Shazier was lost in 2017 unfortunately a more de- a much more devastating injury obviously he was more like the centerpiece of that defense he did a lot of the heavy lifting T.J. Watt was was a rookie you had Joe Hayden and obviously he was a fantastic player for them obviously and Cam Hayward but uh i think now there, there are more good pieces on that defense that that they can compensate a little bit better but they're not going they're not going to make up for for his loss uh, totally. You just can't do it. I mean, that's why you pay a guy like that $80 million. If you thought you can make up for it for his absence with a next man up kind of guy like Malik Reed or Derek Tuska or, or, or whomever you're not going to pay that guy $80 million. You're not, you're not going to set a precedent for your franchise and, 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 and and do that. So I can see why fans would be frustrated with that because it's, it's, it's a huge deal for, 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 for to lose a guy like that. Hopefully it's not, it's not for, uh, for the whole year. It's just a month.
0: I just find it insulting. And I understand that, you know, he is an irreplaceable player, but I find it insulting to players like Cam Hayward, Alex Highsmith, and Minka Fitzpatrick, who were lights out for the defense in that game. We're going to talk a little bit more about those fellas in a little bit. But let's talk about the other injuries. What do you guys know about Najee Harris? All the whispers coming out of Pittsburgh saying that it should not be that big of a deal. He should not be gone for too
2: long. Shannon. Well, I think it is a big deal because he was already dealing with the Liz Frank sprain and based on reports, it's the same foot. And he's, I don't know if he's re-injured it or injured it more severely because he didn't look like yourself uh in the limited preseason action he got or yesterday in my opinion um and i wasn't the only one that noticed that brian baldinger he mentioned it as well um i I think harris the stewards need to regardless of how severe the sprain is they need to rest him and try to get him completely healthy uh for later in the season uh we hate to not have him in there but this those type of injuries is, is not going to get better uh, without rest. And uh, if he can't play up to, uh, you know, at least 90% uh, behind that offensive line, you know, he's just risking further injury, maybe season ending, and he's not going to be effective. So I, I think that, that there needs to be some caution and they need to be smart about everything, uh, the way they handle this.
0: Absolutely, Shannon. And I agree with you about that. Other guys went out. There were some other injuries in that game. Tony, are they concerning to you? Or do you feel like uh, most of these guys, like the Spillanes, like the guys that got hurt yesterday? Hayward went out for a little bit, came back in. Do you have any other problems?
1: No, I mean, I don't think, I don't think any of those injuries, they, they were, you know, the, the bumps and bruises associated with, with, with play as Mike Tomlin would say, it, it seemed like that. And it seemed like uh, Hayward was just, just exhausted. He was gassed. I mean, you know, that guy, if you watch, if you isolate him on, on every play, he just, he's just like going to war with the guy he's going against. I mean, the guy's just a wrecking ball. So he was probably just gassed. It was 70 minutes in to the game by that point or close to it. So I think he'll be fine. And, and, you know, you, none of the other ones seemed, seemed uh, that serious uh i mean maybe maybe levi wallace with the ankle i don't know what what the deal is with him but he's your he's your uh third cornerback so um if he's not in there then you have people like arthur mallette uh when you're going into those sub packages so hopefully wallace is is, uh his isn't too bad because he he he, you know he made some plays in yesterday's game and he's he's obviously a a fine veteran so but the but other than harris and Watt, i I don't think there's anything to be concerned about as far because you know cole came back in the game so I think they'll be fine with the rest of those guys.
0: So Minka Fitzpatrick had an okay game yesterday. (laughs) He had a pick six, which is, I think that's his third in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. Mm -hmm. And that makes him right now two below Rod Woodson and William Gay for the all-time team lead. And I would love to see him, Get four more than if that's the case, actually, three more if that's the case. And I'd love to see him be the all-time leader. You know, Minka is phenomenal to me, Mm. and he does a lot of things for this team. I mean, he's in there blocking an extra point, and Mike Tomlin now, Mike Tomlin says this, and I agree with Mike Tomlin when he says it. I'm proud of Mike Tomlin for saying it. It's like, yeah, we didn't do anything special on that play. It wasn't anything that we did. You guys saw it. That ball took a long time to get back to the border. Yes, that was. If that guy doesn't get injured, then you don't. Ha- you really don't have a problem. The Steelers would lose that game, right? Because of both of those kicks. Because of the snaps. Snapping counts. And I've been there. I have not not playing, but I've been in the stadium. That magical year of 2008, the Steelers lost to eli manning and the new york giants because greg warren got hurt i'm there and i'm listening on the radio and i'm like oh greg warren got hurt and people there were people around me season ticket holders for life like who's greg warren i'm like you've got to be kidding me <laughs> right I'm like, that, that's a big deal so harrison's in and then he could not he could not snap <laughs> And he James Harrison was their reserve snapper. And I know you guys were laughing about it. Thank goodness they won the Super Bowl, but they lost the game. Yeah. And I was with a Giants fan, so that made it a longer, a longer ride home. <laughs> but but all I'm saying is, is that in these situations, this guy is so good. And you, if you lose a guy like TJ Watt. You've got a superstar on your team besides Cam Hayward. And it's Minka Fitzpatrick. He looked like a leader even when all those guys were healthy out there. And he had a chip on his shoulder. And, Shannon, do you believe when Minka Fitzpatrick says, we don't like those guys at all, we remember what they did last year, do you believe that makes him go in – like Jefferson from Fast Times at Ridgemont High after he thought the other team wrecked his car and he tried—he just killed everybody? You remember the movie, right? hmm mm-hmm.
2: That was Minka yesterday, wasn't it? Again, we're touching on my Stock Report article, but <laughs> that's what I was talking about Fitzpatrick. Minka played, that's the most physical I've ever seen him play, by far. He wasn't just separating guys from the football. He was separating guys from their senses. Yeah. I mean he was just going. I mean, it wasn't dirty hits either. He was leading with his shoulder, but he was just taking guys out. And they would talk trash. He was talking trash back. That's usually not his game. Yeah. But he <laughs> he was pissed about last year. And everything that went down and how bad they got embarrassed and saying that they quit. And he said, Leading up to the week, I don't like him. Don't like none of them. And he went out and he played like he didn't like them. And he he showed he's worth every penny they give him. Uh, he he set the tone for that game and hopefully a trend for the season because that was a difference maker type game that we haven't seen out of a Stiller safety. Uh, you know, he did that a couple years ago, but that's a Troy Polamalu type game. I mean, he he had that kind of impact yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I, I think that it's one thing to say something. I can't stand when guys talk the talk, and then they get out there and they don't walk the walk. <laughs> he did both yesterday.
0: He indeed did. Now, Tony, I'm going to ask you this, because if you asked a Bengals fan, I think, today, I think Minka Fitzpatrick is public enemy number one with them now. And the reason I <laughs> say that is because they kind of have – Uh, a lot of Bengals fans are like that and they get bent out of shape very easily. And because of the Vontez perfect thing, they're, they're kind of looking at it the other way, trying to say, well, you know, our kid's bad, but your kid's bad too. And in fact, your kid (laughs) might be even worse here. You know, our kid Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. He's going to get blamed for knocking out T Higgins. He's going to, if you're in Cincinnati, how how dirty of a player do you think Minka Fitzpatrick is, whether
1: he really is or not? Well, you think he's the he's he's the most evil man on the planet right now, because <laughs> that's just how that's just how it is to be a fan. I mean, he's he's a worthless pos, as, as people say on social media. So that's a, That's what you think of of Minka. But you know, if you look at some of the, the plays, I mean, they were they were edgy, but they weren't like perfect. The stuff no, that did. they no. weren't even close to that. Like that. Mm-hmm. The penalty after the uh, Sutton interception—that was mm-hmm. basically him, him reacting to what he thought was going to be a catch by the receiver. That wasn't like he was like head hunting, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what that was. Uh, as far as the hit on T. Higgins, I mean, he, you know, I, did, he, did he did he leave with his helmet? I don't think he did. I mm-hmm. thought that was Edmonds that did that. So I don't know. It was that was a that was a, a bang bang play too. And 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 uh, Higgins went to uh, uh, he ducked. When 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 the contact was made, so it's not like it was head hunting. So, I think that's why Higgins got hurt on that play. So,
0: looks like we lost Tony's audio there for a second.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, uh, no, you're not. You're not just. Uh, you're not imagining that, Shannon. It looks okay, like, <laughs> looks like his audio is out. And now Tony's on mute trying to fix the problem. And we'll get back to him in a a second. Yeah, that was my mistake. I thought it was Minka that was accused of uh, going after T. Higgins. But those, those calls at the end of the game, Shannon, how do you think they were egregious, especially on that last little bit of time, all those keeping drives alive for the Cincinnati Bengals?
2: Five times five times five first downs via penalty even the play where what got the injured by throwing collins out of the way and, and then jumping up in second you know it you know they said that you know he had his hand on his face mask and they they threw the penalty there was another play that that the Steelers stopped them and they was a ticky tack pass interference i mean there was just so many calls that, as a lot of people have said, it appeared that the refs wanted that to be a close game at the end, which they got their wish. And, they, and there was a, you know, everybody was watching, everybody was tuning in. It was really exciting, too exciting for, for me, anybody that's on blood pressure medication. But uh, it, it it did seem like that the, the calls were a little one-sided in that fourth quarter. We'll just put, you know, leave it at that.
0: It almost felt like the end of Cobra Kai Season 4 at the All-Valley Tournament when, yes, I'm not spoiling (laughs) Season 5, but at All-Valley Tournament when the rest were paid off. I'm not saying that, I'm just saying, hmm, it seemed like every time you did something well, that, ah, there's some yellow laundry, Oh, there's some more yellow laundry, so... it was absolutely a crazy game yesterday i at one point fellas were you just hoping it was gonna end tony tony you still having trouble there okay tony's still having trouble uh shannon Were you just hoping for that game to end at one point? Because
2: I was playing for a tie. Yeah, they was at one point. I was like, yeah, just if this thing ends in a tie with everything that's going on, I get, I get accepted. wouldn't like it, but I get accepted. And then when the Bengals punted the ball back to the Steelers and they didn't even use all the clock and give them that extra time. And then, of course, what a final drive! I mean, the clutch catch by Johnson, incredible catch, and then the 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 you know off schedule play to Firemuth to get him down there in field goal positioning. Uh, you know, of course, then I quickly changed my mind. And I wanted the Steelers to finish that off, but uh, but you know that clutch factor is something that you know the Steelers can't count on anymore. But I thought that that. Uh, That was a good off-schedule play by Trubisky and Faramir. And hopefully that's a foreshadowing of things to come. So let me ask you this. If they would have tied.
0: Now, if you're Cincinnati and they would have ended up tying because of the missed extra point, the blocked extra point, that's going to feel like a loss to you. Would it have felt like a loss for the Steelers. I know they had a 14 point lead at one juncture, but when you're an underdog, when you're in a six and a half point underdog, it's not really
1: a loss, is it? Are you asking me? Yeah, Tony. Oh, uh, well at that point in the game, um, after losing Watt and fearing the worst and then having that big lead, uh, I I think it would have felt like a loss. It would have felt like, um, like the Cleveland game from a few years ago, uh, when they had that twenty-one-seven lead and James Conner fumbled and that changed the whole dynamic of the game, uh, it would have felt like a loss to me. But just based on because not, not be, yeah they they beat a, or they 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 tied a division rival on the road, the defending AFC champion. But considering you know you, you lose your best player and and, and you lose your be- your your starting running back potentially for a long time, uh, it would have felt like a loss. Well, thank goodness it was not a tie. I didn't want an,
0: another opening day tie like you had <laughs> just a few years ago. Boy, whew, the those stink. I, I'm not a big fan of that whatsoever. Now, Shannon, I'm going to ask you this question, and it's about the Steelers not being able to convert in those situations late in the game. Does that mean there should be a quarterback controversy? Oh, uh, <laughs> I had to go there. Yes, no yes.
2: If you watch the game, I thought that when the the Steelers got the lead with the you know the pick six, and then they got the turnovers, which put them in a good field position, and they they got that lead. To me, they started the game trying to be more creative and running some of Canada's offense. You know, snaps from under center and. And misdirection and end rounds to Claypool had Claypool working out of the slot, which he looked very effective. But once they got that lead, they it was more conservative after that. And it was a lot of you know short passes, not risky throws, you know, and and hope that the receiver could break a tackle and get the first down. To me, they went ultra conservative and that kept them from ever getting a rhythm. So it's hard to judge the offense's performance based after they got that early lead.
0: That's true. That's true. But still, gosh, there's going to be people calling for Kenny Pickett, Tony, who are you calling for to be continue to be quarterback or be quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers?
1: Well, uh, you know, I, I, I said before the season, he was getting it at least a month Um I just, I don't understand what, what, like Shannon said, it went conservative, uh, especially over like maybe the last three quarters of the game. I mean, they they had all those chances early on and, and they got like, what, 10 points out of it. And, and they really didn't, they, were, they weren't aggressive at all in the passing game, nothing over the middle. It was just like what you saw the last two years, everything, you know, five yard outs, uh, back shoulder throws, just, you know, drop back and, 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 and hit a receiver on the sideline and hope he can make somebody miss, like Shannon said. It, it was the same thing we've seen. So I don't know what that was all about because, you know, the whole idea of getting a mobile quarterback was so he could move around back there and have a more dynamic uh, offense and, 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 you know, maybe compensate for, for the struggles of the line. But it was like, it was Ben back there, just, you know, uh, uh, sitting back there and and getting rid of the football as quickly as possible. And I just don't get that. I mean, you know, if you want to, if you, if you went out to get a mobile quarterback, I think Trubisky, his mobility is, you know, Jim Miller said it was elite uh, a few months ago, uh, the Chicago radio guy, the old Steelers quarterback, and I thought, well, I thought it was pretty good, but not elite. But he looks like Fran Tarkenton, you know, the way he's able to move around, and I just don't, I don't get why they're not taking more chances with him, uh, you know, sitting back there in the pocket for another second or two, and 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 trying to be more aggressive downfield.
0: I feel like Fran Tarkenton right now, but the eighty-some-year-old uh, version. Um, <laughs> number 10 for the Minnesota Vikings and what other team did he play for guys do you remember? I Giants he was, yeah he was a New York Giant uh, I gotta bring this up we've got our first super chat of the day and I am going to I'm just loving this I'm bringing this up thanks so much to Bill Frost Dormont loves Tony I'm oh not sad
1: my buddy Bill you've got some but you've got you have some yeah. friends out there Yeah, got- we, we, we've had we've had drinks together and been to a wedding together you know he's a he's a good dude he's a he's a he's a dad so he probably uh probably never gets any sleep he's a young he's got a young kid so it's probably why he was uh delusional enough to give me fi- to give us five bucks so thank you thank you bill
0: <laughs> well now you have to buy him a drink next time i, I, I do. guess i
1: do i do yeah
0: i've uh i have never gotten and Shannon has never gotten Dormont loves Brian or Shannon. So I think that's a big deal. Wow. I absolutely love it. Bill Frost, welcome to the show, my friend. And thanks for the, the tip. You know what? We need to have a Tony Defeo appreciation club. That's what That's what I'm looking at, my friends.
1: Well, there's the start of it right there. So
0: let's talk about this now. Was the Steelers running back? Excuse me. Was the Steelers running game bad? Were the running backs bad or was the offensive line when you're talking about the rush game horrendous? Shannon White thoughts.
2: I think that they're still having some of the same issues in the preseason. They were having communication issues and, and missing assignments and allowing penetration right up the middle, whether it was the run or the pass, but they kind of cleaned it up the last preseason game. And I thought yesterday they were more stout up the middle for the most part, uh, especially in pass protection. Um, Now the running game, they're just, they're still not getting any push. And I I think part of the problem is they are still predictable. Their, their best plays are the end rounds and misdirection and uh, sweeps with Claypool or, they have other guys that can run those plays. But when they just try to do straight drop-back handoffs uh, from under center, you know, by the time they get the ball, the running back gets to the line of scrimmage, there's no push. There's no holes there. So they're never going to be a powerful run-blocking line, but I think they can work good combo uh, combinations and that they will be able to improve that running game once they show that they can – throw the football down the field, particularly over the middle and down the seams. But until they change that uh, and show they're capable of that, I think they're going to continue to struggle trying to run the ball. Tony, your assessment
0: of the offensive line, you could do it as a whole or you can split it in half. You can go one part rushing, the other part pass blocking.
1: Well, it looked to me like, as far as the, the, the pass protection, that Trubisky didn't trust them. Or they didn't, or they didn't trust the line, and, and they and they asked Trubisky to get rid of the ball. Or like it seemed like, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was again, it was like three or four step drop, get rid of the ball, all, all game long. That's what you saw all game long. So it, it's hard to evaluate the pass protection because he didn't really stand back in the pocket for long uh very long. As far as the the run game, like Shannon said, there was no push. You know. Uh, Harris had 23 yards on 10 carries and and, and their their leading rusher was uh, Chase Claypool again on sweeps and and jet, uh, that kind of thing gimmick gimmicky kind of plays. so uh i would say my evaluation of the line is, is the same as it was uh last year it, it's just really needs a lot of work uh, they need they they need to figure some things out collectively because it's just they're not they're, it, it's again like Shannon said until they prove that they can be more aggressive down the middle of the field they they they're, they're, they're going to continue to crowd the box and what did Chase Young say at the end of 2020 uh we exposed them they figured the league has figured them out and they got to do something to change it or this offense is going to lo- continue to look exactly like it's looked over the last 2 years
0: it's very true so tony i'm going to ask you this question the wide receivers on offense What is your assessment of them? Because (laughs) there were not a lot of receptions. There were not a lot of receiving yards. I think somebody, Jeffrey Benedict, might have put this in the live chat, saying that Juju Smith-Schuster in the first half probably has so many more passing yards than, I mean, receiving yards than everybody else. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Where do you rank the wide receivers in this
1: game? Uh, I'd say maybe... Chase Claypool with a slight edge over Deontay Johnson and everybody else. I mean, it was, I mean, Pickens didn't really do anything. Nobody else really contributed. So I'd say Claypool, a slight edge. I didn't see a lot of separation, uh, for, but then again, you know, if, if, if you're so predictable, you're not, you, you know, you're not going to get very many chances. What they expect these guys to do is catch a catch a pass five yards from the line of scrimmage and, 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 and beat tacklers, you know, down the sideline. And, and, and that's the same recipe they've been using the last few uh, couple of years. So, I, I didn't see a lot of separation, but then again, I'm not exactly sure if that's their fault. Like I saw a lot of opportunities where George Pickens was one-on-one and I'm like, go George Pickens is one-on-one, do something, be aggressive. Uh, give us another uh, uh, Martavis Bryant moment, like in, in uh, 2014 when I was at that stadium and he went 95 yards, give us another one of those. And they didn't even try it. There, was, there were really no deep throws all game that were, unless there was like, uh, you know, yeah, there were really no deep throws the entire game. Tony, where is the wide
0: receiver stable in your mind? Did
1: you say Tony
2: or, or Shannon? I'm, I'm sorry. sorry, Shannon.
1: Um
2: to me, there was some open uh opportunities yesterday, but Trubisky doesn't anticipate throwing lanes coming open. He, if it's there and he has a direct sight line he has the arm and the ability to get it there. That's why his best plays is when he rolls out or extends the play. And then he can get a direct line uh, where he can see the play develop, but he doesn't anticipate well, which is something that Pickett does do. And we've seen in the preseason where Pickett was throwing guys over. There was one play in particular where Firemuth was even and was covered and he threw the ball to where he anticipated where Firemuth was going to come open and he did. And it was a big play. Um, So they're going to have to use Trubisky differently. If they're going to be successful in, in the offense that they're trying to run right now, because with Harris's injury and the line still developing, I just, I think that the passing part is going to have to come before the rushing success. So there was a couple of times the Pickens, as Tony said, had a great matchup and they didn't even look at him. <laughs> I mean, he, he just did not even look at him. And Pickens was visibly frustrated yep. in the third quarter. And you can understand why, because <laughs> if you know, you could beat your guy, but they're not looking at you at all. Uh, and, and everything was again, that little short passing game. Um, it, it, it had to be frustrating for the young man. So um, I, I think that the, the, Clay, that um, Canada just needs to call a game that's more suited to Trubisky's strengths than he did this first week. Overall,
0: Tony, what do you think of the play calling?
1: I'm not that happy with it because it, it's, it's, it's what we've seen like, again. It's what we, we saw last year and, and, and maybe, maybe basically the second half of 2020 and we, they were supposed to be, a, you know, some, you, you were expecting, a more dynamic approach with a, a new and mobile quarterback, a, a more mobile quarterback in Trubisky. So, I, I'm not—I wasn't that happy with it because. But then again, you don't know why. You don't know why it's like that. Are they are they, so, convinced that the offensive line is is a liability that they're not willing to change? So I don't know why they're calling the plays that they are calling. Clearly, they want these plays to work, but they keep calling the same ones over and over again that haven't been working. So I don't know what. <laughs> I, I wouldn't give it. I, I'm not very happy with the play calling. Let's
0: go over to the defensive side of the ball. And, well, three sacks from Mr. Highsmith, fantastic. I know he benefits from Mr. Watt being on the field. But still, three sacks is phenomenal. And they also did a great job in stopping the run yesterday. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that I'm going to bring up and talk to Shannon about first. A guy that you have been... You know, reticent to say that he should keep his job on the team, and it's Devin Bush Jr.
2: Oh, okay. So we're <laughs> going to talk about Devin Bush. We have well, to, yes. Well, I, I I see progress yesterday. I seen him flowing to towards the football, and again, as everybody kept saying last year. You know, part of the problem was the defensive line wasn't keeping him clean. Well, you see what a difference Tyson and Lulu makes. You see what a difference. You know, we know how great Hay- Hayward is, but Oga Joby, I mean, he played an excellent game yesterday as well. And even Chris Wormley stepped up, not being, you know, not being required to be a starter, but being asked to be a rotational piece. He seemed like he was more effective yesterday. Mm-hmm. A couple of times he stood his blocker up and filled that, gap and that allowed jacks and bush to flow to the ball and that's what bush is he flow he's a pursuit linebacker if he has to take on blockers he doesn't now jacks can bush cannot but i thought that bush made a step in the right direction was he spectacular no but he was part of a great overall defensive performance and i will be more than happy with that if he could continue that moving forward.
0: Now let's not talk about Bush, but let's just talk. Is there any weak link on that Steelers defense?
1: I didn't see it yesterday. I didn't see it at all. It was one of the most impressive defensive performances I've ever seen. You know, when you consider that <laughs> the offense only had the ball for 26 minutes and change, and everything everything that they had to endure that that goal line stand at the end. Uh, within the final two minutes was, was incredible and and uh to, to keep up that kind of intensity for 70 minutes and, and continue to turn the Bengals away uh I didn't see a week a week uh, uh link yesterday I mean I think I think Miles Shack is going to do wonders for for Devin Bush as far as uh making him perform like the player he, he can be keeping the pressure off of him uh, cause he's, he's a stud. I mean, he's a stud. Maybe he's not the player he was five years ago when he first came in the league, but he's still really, a really good dynamic inside linebacker. Now, I mean, that might change as far as a weak link, um, starting this Sunday at, at strong side outside linebacker without TJ one in there. But, uh, as of yesterday, this looks, looks like a, a, a dynamic dominant defense.
2: I concur Shannon thoughts about that. To me, the the biggest weakness, and it's been a weakness for a Steelers 3-4 for quite some time, Uh, Ryan Shazier helped take care of that. But, you know, since his injury, it's returned. And that, you know, they had Spillane in there as their nickel linebacker. And uh, I do not understand that because his weakness is coverage. So it was even pointed out during the game by the announcers that the Bengals were trying to get their offensive players matched up uh, with Bush or Spillane when they were in the game and coverage, because they thought they had a advantage there and they could get first downs. And so the, the NFL sees, you know, it's a copycat league and they know that's a weakness for the Steelers. So uh, I think it should be Jack's. I think he's, he's got plenty of speed and I think he would be a better option there. At least, Bush, I do not think Spillane needs to be the only coverage linebacker on the field.
0: All right, fellas, so we have had a great show. It has been so much fun to talk about this game because I'm going to say it loud. I don't care about all the problems and how everybody's worried about next week. One thing that drives me crazy, and somebody came in the live chat yesterday yesterday And they said, yeah, what we have to do now is I hope they lose all their games so (laughs) they can fix that offensive line. And sorry, it's not going to happen. And that's just, uh, that's ridiculous to me. Uh, But with that being said, I really thought the Steelers came out. I thought they looked strong on defense. I thought they did the best that they could on offense with the offensive line. Because when you do not have a running game, it's so much harder to complete passes. So I'm anxious to see what happens in new England coming up this week. I hope all these guys get better soon. And I'm hoping that we have a happy hangover again next week. Any final thoughts,
1: Tony? Well, as you you know, it was a great win. I mean, now that we are learning more about the watt injury, and I think we are, we were kind of already hopeful about the, uh, uh, injury. I think it, 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 it puts some of the luster back on the victory. I think you you, you lose that guy for for the entire year. That's I think that, that it's hard to celebrate a win like that. But doing what they did, that defensive performance was so incredible, and the the, the guts that they showed, the 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 intensity they 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 just never relented. It was it was an incredible win. And if not for the injuries, I think we would be all a little happier today uh, about what happened on Sunday. Shannon, your final thoughts, my friend.
2: Well, I have to admit, when I heard about the the all-black Air Force One tennis shoes that Tomlin bought for the whole team, <laughs> and in a way to try to, you know, could unite the team as they go into hostile territory there in Cincinnati, uh, I thought that a lot of people was talking about how brilliant it was, and I just didn't get it. Uh, but for what it cost, if that's why they played – one of the reasons why they played like a unit yesterday, a complete cohesive unit and and the defense looked as good and as great as it did, then it's well worth whatever those shoes cost (laughs) me personally. I've always thought all black shoes are very ugly. And uh, so, you know, when I first seen them uh, I went to a private school where we had to wear all black shoes. And so I've always hated all black shoes. And so I thought that, then I said, oh, man, them shoes, what? that's a waste of time. That's that's kind of gimmicky. But, hey, if it works and they play that inspired every week, worth every penny. So yeah. I, w- I will say that I was wrong. And uh, so uh, and hopefully it will continue to work going into next week against the Patriots.
0: Well, you know they weren't all black shoes, right, originally? Nike was out of that model in black. And this is it's funny because this is uh, the, the rallying point around this because this is the degenerate shoe, I guess. And so sending a message to his team that uh, you could rise above that. And and I, I thought I thought that was fantastic. But Chris Sable, the uh, renowned artist, had a spray paint <laughs> so many pairs of shoes yesterday around. I think he got the call very early in the morning over the weekend and he had to go ahead and spray paint those so I, I thought that was really really interesting mm. so gentlemen let's get on out of here let's thank everybody for coming in remember we can't do these shows without you there's so many great shows coming up the next show that you're going to hear on the audio side is going to be of course jeffrey benedict and the cutting room floor followed by the fix followed by the scobro show followed by Let's ride, but let's not forget about the Mike Tomlin press conference recap. Wow. Recapping a great week, and we're going to have another great week. So I am absolutely pumped. For Tony Defeo and Shannon White, my name is Brian Anthony Davis, and I'm going to ask you this. Well, no, I don't have to ask you anything because you know what? I'm not the one asking. So let's try this again. Just when you think you've got all the answers, Tony Deffio. We keep changing the questions. Shannon White, you know what to do. You know how to take us out of here. Let's do it. Woo! Woo indeed. Steelers are 1-0. Celebrate!